0: On this episode of Resi Week, Samsung's new ultra short throw, Vanco's Evo IP Lite, and Modus VR. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is ResiWeek, Episode 240, Awaken the Nerd. Support for AV Nation is brought to
1: you by
2: Black Wire Designs, the go-to distributor for the CI industry with an extensive product lineup backed by unmatched sales and system support. Anytime dealers need it, even after hours or on the weekend.
0: Welcome to this episode of ResiWeek, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for aviation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Jeremy Gulwacki. He is the executive editor at Residential Tech Today. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thank you for being here. Then we have Alex Capicellarantro. He is the founder of Josh AI. How are you, sir?
1: Doing great. Thanks, for I
0: butched your name again. I'm sorry. It's all this good. It's all on me. I'm calling. COVID bring because yeah, it's no, it's Tuesday and I do this on Monday and I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for structure and throwing me off by a day. Totally threw me off. That's what we're going to go with. All right, gentlemen, uh, hopefully you both had a great labor day. Let's, uh, kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE pro. Samsung has debuted its first ultra short throw projector dubbed the premier. It is a 4k ultra short throw laser projector that will have HDR 10 plus plus and have two models: one that's capable of 120 inches, and one that's capable of 130 inches. Uh, if you read into this, as I, as I mentioned, it's a laser projector. They are expected to top out at uh, 2,800 lumens. Jeremy, let me let me start with you on this. This is one. This is really really cool to me that we have uh, a couple of manufacturers now. Making short throw projectors, LG released one, I believe, last year. Uh, Samsung has their uh, premiere that we're we're talking about today. These are supposed to sit essentially just off the wall and obviously project onto said wall and give you that massive uh, theater type experience without needing the distance for throw and you know permanently installed pieces. When you see what Samsung's doing here, is this? Really breaking down the the barrier between traditional TVs and two piece projection.
2: I really think it is. I was a little um, unsure of this category when it first started happening. I you know would see them in a trade show environment. And it's not the best, even though they're they're designed to to work in in a higher ambient light room. Um, it just you know it was never demoed pretty very well f- for me. But I've seen. So many manufacturers uh, get on board. You know Michael Heiss wrote about this for us as well, and he, he was mentioning that Sony, LG, Optima, Hisense, BenQ, and Epson all have um, a, a UST offering now as well. And Samsung was a little late later to the game, but I think what what it's kind of interesting about this type of cate- this particular category, is that unlike a two piece projector system. You actually have um, a smart component. You have, you have apps as part of this particular offering, so um, you know you can integrate your Apple TV right there into it. So it's a it's a single solution like a TV, but yet you have that projector experience um, without having it be above your head or you know some kind of a difficult installation type of scenario. Um, and of course, the screen just being. Really huge for uh, an interim kind of uh, application like that. I really do think that there's an opportunity there for this to to fill a a need um, when you just can't fit this giant TV into a room, for instance, or it's just not affordable. This is a great great option, I think.
0: Very good, Alex. When you see this, one of the things that comes to mind is this is a, I guess, the fourth installment in uh, Samsung's kind of. Kind of pushed to have some i don 't want to say luxury um, segments, but essentially luxury high end segments they they started with the frame, they added the Cero, and then obviously the terrace earlier this spring, which again are are you know the frame's are a really nice tv, but it it, it looks really nice it 's got that fit and finish. the premiere in in the the marketing shots uh, of course we haven 't seen this in person yet, but in the marketing shots. It doesn't look like your typical projector that you buy from, you know, any of us and, and put in a room and you get this big grayish plastic box. This looks like a, a really cool, nice piece of, piece of technology. Are they betting on that cachet of, of kind of being a, a name brand luxury item to really help propel the technology?
1: You know, it's a really hard question to answer from my perspective. I, um, I'm not traditionally a projector or even a theater guy. With What I focus on, it's so much about the interface, the, the user experience. And when I think about this, it, it's a really interesting just product that they came out with. Um, I've always been impressed by the Ultra Short throw Projectors. You see them at CES and you're just really impressed with how is this possible and what it can do. Typically in a dark room, you know, the question will be how well does this really work in sort of a daytime setting. But the other thing that always challenges me a little bit is you've got this box that's sitting essentially right in front of where the screen's gonna be, you know, where where it's projecting. And in our industry, you wanna hide things. And what's so brilliant about the Samsung frame TV is it is hidden when it's off. It just looks like artwork. That's what really makes it work. In this case, even going with nicer materials and nicer fabrics, it really does stand out to me. It comes in sort of this white or gray from what I've seen. And I'm not sure how well you can hide it in a cabinet or even under the floor. And so it it does sort of bring up the question of which rooms will this be most um, sort of fitting? Which level of luxury homes will want this? You know, There's some homes, as everyone on this call knows, you don't wanna see any technology. It needs to be completely hidden. And I don't know where this sort of fits in with that. Um, you know it's it's super impressive that the price is going to dictate i think a little bit of where it sells and sort of who the customer ultimately is from what i 've seen they 've not announced pricing on this it 's a little bit you know up in the air I would guess probably in the five thousand dollar range would be my guess maybe as low as two as high as ten um, we don 't really know but it's it 's an interesting category i think um, to jeremy 's comment earlier, we just don't know if this is going to become the next sort of replacement of the television or much more of a niche product. And I think about with everything I do in my own company, what would I want as a consumer? And I don't know what it is, but there's some reason I still love a TV. You know, if you're not in a theater, like I find a television to be more appealing. And it might just be that I have so much history with projectors not being as great as you would want, as well lit as you would want. Um, you know, I think about having to really darken the room, and so I want to play with this before I make up my mind. Um, but it's it's experimental in my mind. It's, it's hard to say if it's going to be truly industry changing. So, so
0: let me just ask a follow up before we move on to to kind of both of you or either of you. Is this are are we still in that situation where two piece? whether it's a premiere like this or anyone else's short throw or anyone else's main projection, uh, traditional projection system, are we still in that place where nothing can replicate at a, even a, a fraction of the cost? Um, nothing can replicate even a, you know, $400 Costco special TV from a brightness and a clarity standpoint. Is that what's holding back two piece?
2: It might be. Um, I, I, I just think it goes back to that size situation, though. I mean, it's such a big screen and, you know, it's really hard to get that from a, from a direct view TV and, um, you know, be able to fit it through a doorway or have it shipped properly or whatever it is. And these screens, at least I spoke to the uh, folks at Epson about their recent release. And, you know, their big thing is matching that screen perfectly with the image. So you're not going to gamble on, is this the right quality of you know whether it's a um certain um uh, brightness of the screen that you need for that particular um projection or whatever it is it's going to be perfectly tuned to that so you're going to get the best um that you can get out of it at least from that perspective with the with the absent um you know again you're in a you know ambient light situation maybe that's not going to be ideal and you would still perhaps get reflection off of a glass, you know, front of a screen as well. You know, it's never, never a perfect scenario, but it's interesting with this one, their time at the, that fabric wrap, I'd forgotten about that. So that's sort of a sports team idea that they were saying, like something where you could tie it in with. So it almost seems like that's the application they're looking at. It's like a a, a room where you'd have a bunch of people watching a game or something like that. And that's never the ideal theater, dark room kind of, you know, set up. I don't think, uh, even though I do that, it's just, that's kind of the movie watching experiences, the dark room. So kind of splitting the difference there would be able to watch that big giant screen for the game, maybe the gamer to be able to play their game in a hugely immersive environment. Um, I, I, I do think it is, there are compromises for sure. So I don't know what the best, best of the options are are for the given application, but it's definitely an option that's there now.
1: I mean, like like a lot of things in our industry, I think there's a perfect application for this project and this product rather. I'm just not sure that it's gonna be the right product for every room, you know, for every situation. And so I could see, you know, some rooms with a frame TV and then, you know, maybe one or at most two rooms that would have, you know, a short throw projector. It is interesting though, I think a lot of the theaters that we get to see from our clients are really engineered for a real projector and you know, all the right acoustics. This kind of lends itself in my mind more to like, I don't wanna call it a DIY theater, but a little bit of like a, an afterthought theater. You know, I didn't design this room to be my theater, but it will work and I need a projector that I don't have the space for, like this would then slot in perfectly. Yeah, I you could know, totally I see the family, that. The family room yeah. option.
0: Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from residential tech today. Uh, Vanco Evolution has their new Evo IP Lite. It simplifies HDMI over IP. Uh, so if you don't know the, the Evo IP solution from Vanco, it is a uh, network-based uh, video solution, obviously video over IP. Uh, what the light option does is it allows you to not be limited or, or forced, if you will, uh, to utilize only the the 4K uh, extenders and transmitters, uh, or sorry, not extenders but transmitters and receivers, and you can use one that uh, only runs up to 1080p at 60. Alex, is this one of those things where it's another piece of the toolbox so that uh, integrators can come in and and you know design systems that that fully fit the feature set that's required, opposed to just having that blanket, you know, hey everything's 4k, everything will be 4k going through. This lets them kind of mix and match as needed to, to fit that, uh, that, that installation a little bit better. Is this just another, you know, way of, of, of properly speccing systems?
1: You know, I'll be honest. It, It might be certainly not my area of expertise. I, um, I live in a world where the stuff that's in the closet is less exciting from the way my brain works. I focus, so much on the user experience, what's in the room, the emotional stuff, and if this helps us deliver content easier, the right, you know, sort of way. I mean, it it seems like a, a cool product. I just don't know enough about the competitive landscape and and really what you know the the decision tree is going to look like in terms of why you would dive in here. So I'd be curious to get more of Jeremy's thought. But you know, my viewpoint is always how do we make things easier? I don't want to say cheaper necessarily, but more sort of customer friendly and this seems like it might be a step in the right direction
0: very good jeremy when when you see this kind of to alex's point this this you know really f- hits me on that you know a- again as alex said it it's stuff in the closet that may not be as exciting to most customers but if you can essentially help a help a customer save some money on the back end and or or in the closet and say hey you know we have a bunch of sources that are only 1080p they don't need to be 4K, so we can save you some money here, and you know maybe add Josh or some other feature set that was, you know, going to stretch the budget. Is that where these kind of pieces really, really play?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's well said. Um, as a custom integrator, if you if you can show your clients that you know how to make the most out of what they want in their home then you're going to be that trusted um, resource for them going forward. And if they feel like everything is the top of the line, this top of the line, that and the budget just keeps getting blown out of the water because they want to do this simple scenario, then maybe they're going to think, man, I can't afford this stuff. I know we talk about the high net worth individuals who are clients in this industry, but there, there are still a lot of value minded midwestern clients for instance where i am or wherever you are there there are places places where people want to want to make something happen in a way spe- specifically with security like you're saying those those cameras can be really important to a homeowner but they don't need a lot of other big ticket items um and and you can value engineer it like you said and that can make it a much more affordable option and and then yeah be able to spend some money on some of the more visible elements of the of the system Um, just to be able to to link together everything and have it work the way it's supposed to work without it costing an arm and a leg i think is is a really important element to what we do in this industry
0: yeah very good all right gentlemen let's move on to our last story of the day this comes to us from residential systems modus vr is introducing modus photo at cd expo 2020 Uh, that'll take place next week in the virtual realm, which makes this the perfect fit because it's a virtual product. Uh, Alex, when when you look at this, I, I, I want to start with you on this one. Um, when you look at this and look at what Modus is doing, we keep hearing about, you know, the trade shows are going to stay virtual for for you know definitely this year and, and possibly and likely into next year very effectively. We're still seeing a lot of customers who are should we say cautious about going into a showroom or, or having salespeople come to their home to pitch them on, you know, whatever solution they're looking for. Is this one of those products that really has the, the, the capability to come in and and let you do a, a high quality um, pitch or, or, or work through process with your customer to to determine what they're looking for and what they want and what they like, opposed to bringing them into your showroom or taking them to another client's home to show them something your your company's done previously.
1: You know, similar to some of the other products, to me it's a very experimental type um, application. And what I mean by that is five years from now, even two, three years from now, it could be that every integrator is using this or something like this, or it could not be. And, and I kind of love that uncertainty of, we don't know what's going to happen, but someone's trying. I definitely struggle a little bit with VR in general. Um, we actually hired an engineer whose um, interview application, he built a full voice control virtual reality environment where you put on the headset, you walk around, you give Josh voice commands, and you see it as though it were you know, your real home. And I thought, this is such a cool thing. We sent it out to our dealer saying, you know, hey, would you be interested in using this for your projects? You know, You just do... A little walkthrough with the camera you film it and you know you can give your client that idea of what the experience is going to be before shipping and almost everyone was not interested it was just kind of an interesting thing that the nerd in me got excited about but getting it all the way through to a customer wasn't really happening Mm -hmm. and when you look at something like this i think about slate plan and some of the others and there's some balance of getting the right features where Yes, you want to show them the the imagery, you want to show them the visuals, but then you want to tie that into some concept of what is the budget, what are the product skews, what's the timing to get all this built, and and I think there's some perfect feature set that's going to be really um, sort of exciting for the end customer. The ultimate issue is how do you budget for something like this? How do you how do you recoup your investment as an integrator, because it's it's something that's a nice wow factor, but I almost feel like when I talk to, to the average integrator that we know, getting a project isn't likely going to be determined based on a sales pitch like this. I might be wrong, right? I'm sure the guys, you know, aren't super happy I'm saying that, but <laughs> my, my, my assumption is, you know, it's about your reputation. It's about, you know, the referrals, it's about your previous work, and it's about building trust. And so if there's some way that this allows dealers, especially without the face-to-face interaction, to build trust, to show off existing projects, and then to tie that into the proposal for the existing system, I think there's something that's really exciting. But again, two to three years out, I say flip a coin, the whole thing could be dead, or it could be huge and everyone's using it, and I just don't really know which way it's gonna turn.
0: Yeah, very good. Jeremy, when when you see this, and. Uh... I'm really with Alex on this. I, I think this is fantastic technology, but I also have to kind of weigh that with even in in my own company, our experience of you know using a uh, you know 3D renders to to pitch or, or sell a product, and we found that even the you know the virtual flyover, where where you pre-record going through that room or that system or that thing, um, and show the clients that they like that less, or at least my customers like that less than just when I sit in front of them with a laptop and manually go through that, that, you know, that render so that they can slow down. Let me, let me look at that a little closer. Let me see this a little bit. Cl- I don't care about that. Let's go here. Is this one of those things that is very dependent on your client base? Is this something where if you have younger, techier, mm-hmm clients they might be all over this
2: yeah i, I was thinking that the that exact thing as you said it because um i'm not the younger client per se i'm about to turn 50 and i've been to this um modus booth a couple of times at cedia with like two years difference in time and the first one they did was pretty clunky The second i did two years later was a lot better and i still was really kind of queasy afterwards it's not an environment that I'm used to. I don't do VR games. I don't wear those headsets. I'm not, I have to kind of relearn the whole kind of process of I'm holding my arms out and I'm doing this thing. Why am I doing that? I'm holding a tray, but I'm not, you know, it's like, there's a whole thing and you're learning how to do that. And I don't see certain clients wanting to experience that really, but others were probably like all in on the tech and this is the coolest thing ever. I play, you know, games like that, um, that, that may be effective. Um, I just did a demo with um, Scott uh, Nunam at uh, Audio Advice who just released this home theater design tool. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very effective, um, you know, implementation of technology to be able to build a system, a home theater specifically with a client virtually. It's not a VR type of thing. You're not putting on any headset. You're just sitting at your computer and you're going through and saying, okay, how far back do you want the front row to be? Do you want two rows? Do you want one row? Um, you know, and it starts to place the speakers in the right positions for a, an Atmos kind of a setup and puts the projector in the right place. And like the, the Modus system, it does project an image then on the screen. So it's almost like you're seeing what it's going to be like and you can sit in the seat and see what that position looks like. Um, I remember Modus, they had dust particles through the projection image going across, you know, they'd really put a lot of detail into it. So credit to them for really trying to make it look real. It's just, I don't know how much every person's going to find that comfortable to go through. And these days I don't like the idea of putting on anything on my head. That's not a mask to protect me from,
0: you know, COVID. So <laughs> it seems a little weird. So is this, is this something that we really just have to kind of sit back and, and watch to see where it goes because there there will be those customers that love this. But I, I I caution to guess that the majority of consumers today aren't going to buy into this yet.
1: Yeah. Matt Matt, my feeling on this is it's way bigger than just MODIS. This is a discussion about VR in general. hundred percent is, is VR going to happen. And you look at companies like Facebook who have spent billions on Oculus and, you know, other platforms, and it literally blows my mind seeing what they're doing, but it hasn't yet made that shift where the average consumer is living at home with a VR headset. They're they're not using it every day. And I've recently gotten very into 360 camera footage. It's just a, a fun, cool thing. And I immediately convert all of that to just 2D flat video because... I don't want to live in in VR to me. It's, it's I don't want to say it's a gimmick because it might again become the next thing that we all kind of get onto. But I think in this day and age, I I know people trying to use VR for education, for, you know, on-hands training, you know, doctors, stuff like that. There are going to be some niche applications that really work. But when you're talking about VR for a home demo, I've seen real estate agents try it and others like this. It's, it's missing something. I don't know if it's the dizzying factor, the, you know, the weirdness of it. Maybe there just needs to be some more, I don't know, uh, I don't like accessories with wrist gloves or something. I don't know what it is, but it feels like VR in general, similar to to prior comments in two to three years might just kind of go away and not be a thing of interest, or it might really blow up because of some little tweak that just immediately makes it just make sense to everyone. In general, I tend to be a lot bigger, um, a a much bigger fan around augmented reality as opposed to virtual reality and augmented reality of let me be in my home, maybe with glasses or a screen or something and be able to see what this room would look like if I had, you know, this Samsung Ultra Throw projector on the wall with these Meridian speakers and, you know, Sini seats, like, to have that augmented in my actual home starts to get more interesting for me. But virtual reality I've really struggled with.
0: Is this still just one of those things where sometimes simple's just better? Like I'm really glad you brought up the real estate thing because if I go and look at a real estate listing and again, I haven't seen, I've seen some people that tried the VR thing for a while and it didn't last. But even when they have these curated, you know, drone fly over in the home and the water's running in all the taps and all that jazz, I still find myself going back to just the slideshow. I just want to look at the pictures. Is that, is it just that we like the simplicity or the the comfort in knowing where it
1: is? Is that, is that what VR has to overcome? I, I think a lot of it really is about trust. I think when you're watching something in VR, it doesn't feel as real. It doesn't feel as unedited. And with my company, for example, the majority of videos that we show are just me holding an iPhone, showing a live demo with no edits, no cuts, no nothing, because it gets someone to really believe that this is actually happening. Once you start getting into high edits and you're, you know, really tuning the lighting and, you know, as Jeremy said, you're getting the projector dust, you know, particles to show it starts to almost feel too good to be true. And I think people have this unconscious doubt of, will this really be the experience I have? Will I get 80% of this? And what's the 20% that I'm missing? And so trust and, and believability is, I think one of the missing pieces.
0: Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there before we take too deep of a dive into into VR and, and trusting the virtual world. Uh, thank you both so much for joining us. Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, where do they do that?
2: go to reztechtoday.com and subscribe to the magazine. We'd love to have more subscribers and also look out for our podcast. And I did interview uh, Scott Nunam about the, that the design tool and that's going to go live next week. So check it out.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And congrats on that podcast. Thanks. Fantastic. Alex, my friend, thank you for taking some time to spend it with us today. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Josh
1: AI, where do they do that? best place to start is just the website. It's josh.ai. And from there, you can link out to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever you'd like. We've got a lot of stuff right there on the website.
0: Awesome. Thank you both again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover.